This is Big Bully Busick, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast. I, I've done it. I've finally done it. You did what? I've got the list of names for our tag team. Ooh, let's hear. <clears throat> well, uh, first of all, I don't think I have to go any further than this, but the Muffin Stuffers. No. Um, Hugh Jazz Construction. What? No. Uh, the Mighty Midgets. <laughs> Come on now. Kung Fu Pandas. <laughs> Are you really trying? The Nunchuck Kids. What? Okay, this one is the the one. The Razzle Dazzlers of Phantasmagazzles. <sighs> Tell me, you didn't have like... Uh, did you even try Googling any tag team names or are you just trying to think of something? No, that's that's I absolutely Googled them. Well, you're on the wrong site, apparently. It's time for another wrestling podcast with your hosts, Steve Credo and Jonathan Benjamin. Welcome, everybody, to another wrestling podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Benjamin. With me, as always, is Steve Credo. Steve, we are at num- lucky number 13 today. Can you believe it? Uh, I can believe it. It's 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 here, Jonathan. We are at 13 episodes strong, baby. We are we're taking over your airwaves, your your ear canal, um, pretty much everything. So. I'd like to just say thanks for tuning in today. Um, we have another great show on tap. Uh, former WCW, WWF wrestler Mark, marvelous Mark Marrow, will be joining us today. That's right. Uh, we're going to be talking to him in a few minutes, uh, so stick around. He had a lot of interesting to say, a lot of interesting things to say about uh, his career. So I hope you guys uh, stick around for that. Yeah, and uh, just to get this out of the way, um, anybody who is a fan of the show and wants to find out more about another wrestling podcast, uh, do us a favor and jump on over to www.anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. That's right, Jonathan. We have all of our links on there. No need to be repetitive and say everything. So if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, you're on all those things, we're on them too. So just head on over to the website. Check them out. Subscribe to us. Do all that fun stuff, and uh, we'll like you back. We'll follow you back, and I don't know. Maybe we'll even poke you. Yikes! Know. Yikes! <laughs> hey, that's that's what you do in social media, right? Well, I mean, you can do it in social media. You can do it, I guess, out of social media as well. So you need to specify, I guess, maybe which poking you'll be doing. <laughs> well, Jonathan, speaking of poking around, we are going to be hitting up some great shows coming up in the Northeast, and. Uh, what better place to go than Northeast Wrestling? We have a big show coming up on September 19th at the Waterbury PAL Building, Airborne. We're going to have at 8 p.m. featuring former WWE Tag Team Champion Matt Seidel, a.k.a. or FKA. Evan Bourne will be in the house with Northeast Wrestling New 
the well, the newest champion, Matt Taven, will also be there facing Evan Bourne. And uh, speaking of that, we also have Mike Bennett, who will also be in the house, and also on another wrestling podcast next week. We're going to have Evan Bourne and Mike Bennett next week joining us, talking a little bit about uh, their career as well, right? Absolutely. Uh, both great guys. Uh, looking forward to finding out what they have to say. Um, also, kind of breaking news, I guess, there was just a Q&A added to that Northeast Wrestling show where if you get there around 7.30, Matt Taven and Evan Bourne will be in the ring answering your questions. So go on down there and be sure to ask some good questions. And we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't tell you about the biggest event coming around next week in Middletown, Jonathan. Another wrestling podcast will be there with none other than Joel Gertner, former ECW manager to the Dudley Boys. You guys can meet and greet him, uh, but there's going to be more than just Joel Gertner there next week. We're going to have the Dudley Boys, Devon and Bubba Ray, or Bully Ray, right? I guess yeah. you, I guess you can call them either one, but uh, they're going to be in Middletown along with the beautiful people in the ring gear, countless others. Guys, head over to WrestlingSpectacular.com and don't forget September 21st in Middletown, New York, at the Middletown Flea Market. Be there. It's 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 going to be a great day, Jonathan. We're going to be streaming live a live show from the event, talking with Joel Gertner and countless others. Yeah, I stop on by, say hello, talk to us. Tell us who you want us to get on our show. Um, you know, come meet us. And uh, we're looking forward to being there for another wrestling podcast. That's right. And tell us what you hate about Jonathan. Tell us what you love about me. I always love all the compliments and comments. Uh, that's right. Right, Jonathan? They could tell us. Wow. Wow. <laughs> right under the bus. <laughs> As it drives on by. And make sure you stop at Middletown next week, guys, because we're going to be there. Uh, broadcasting live a show during the day. And how do we find that, Jonathan? Easy. We're going to be streaming if you go to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. We're going to be on the website. So all you have to do is go to our website, and the live player should be right up, and you'll be able to hear us live. Or you can download it on your phone, which is going to be Mixler. We're going to post a link to our page or post a link to Facebook and Twitter. So in order to find that link, you're going to have to go follow us or like us. Right, Jonathan? Absolutely. Please, please go do that. All right. Joining us today, we have with us former WCW World TV champion, former WWE IC champion. He's an author, now motivational speaker, who will be talking to us about his nonprofit organization, Champions of Choices, none other than Mark Merrow. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Now, Mark, uh, before we get to Champions for Choices, uh, Let's talk a little bit about pro wrestling. Uh, you were trained by the Malenkos. Can you tell us uh, how you know you got into pro wrestling? Was it something you loved as a kid, or is it just something you kind of fell into? No, actually, you know, my dad would take us to the matches in Buffalo, New York, at the uh, uh, Buffalo War Memorial or the Peace Project Exhibition Center. And, uh, you know, I had my favorites back then. And I, you know, it's so funny. Uh, when I was a little kid, you know, getting their autographs, I still have them today. Oh, wow. And and getting to meet some of those guys later on in life was so cool, you know. Uh, you know, the, the guys that would come to the, the arena and say hello to the, the, you know, the wrestlers that were wrestling at the time. And uh, so I, I definitely liked wrestling as a kid. And I, I remember a match in Buffalo that uh, I'll never forget because Boba Brazil was wrestling the Sheik. And, uh, 
And I remember that the, the sheep took out a pencil and he started stabbing Bobo, and I couldn't understand why the police weren't arresting this guy. <laughs> I was so scared, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was a vivid memory, but it was, it was really cool that I got to, you know, enjoy that and, and have that, uh, that entertainment when I was a kid. Now, um, Mark, this is Jonathan now, and um, in WCW, your character was Johnny B. Bad. Um, you were, you know, one of the fan favorites. And it's a huge departure from the character that you kind of evolved into in WWE, the marvelous Mark Merrill character. So, looking back on that, which which character do you think had the biggest impact on on you, and then the biggest impact on pro wrestling in general? That's a great question. You know, when I first got into wrestling, I mean, I didn't really have a say over the character. I mean, um, when Dusty Rhodes uh, first saw this character, this gimmick in me, he said to me, I mean, I'll never forget, he goes, kid, did anybody ever tell you you look like Little Richard? I said, who's Little Richard? <laughs> and he said, uh, wamba, baloo, wamba, <laughs> And uh, next thing I know that he's getting a makeup artist uh, putting, you know, makeup on me and, uh, you know, these flamboyant clothes and everything. And I just started really, you know, studying the character and his mannerisms and, and so on. And, and, you know, it was really a fun character, you know. But the cool thing about it was, you know, after the, you know, after I did my first year, I think it was the second or third year, I went to the, you know, the Dusty and them. I said, can I drop the makeup, man? I mean, really. Uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't do anything for the character. I, I really think just keep it as kind of a flamboyant, outrageous character. And they were cool with that. I just had a, had a lot of trouble, you know, wanting to, you know, portray the, the character as far as it, it, it would have gone. And, and I, you know, enough was enough. So, uh, but it was a fun character because you, you can get away with crazy things. And, and, you know, it was really funny because, you know, back then, you know, it was really tan too. A lot of people thought I was black. <laughs> I was on, I mean, Michael Jackson asked that I come to his concert. And then Michael Jackson was on stage with, with Gladys Knight. And, uh, uh, it was, uh, oh, and that was on Black Entertainment Tonight with uh, James Brown and Fred Hickman. And I remember uh, James Brown said, Mark, you got to, gotta, or he said, Johnny, you got a chance to become the first black heavyweight champion. I said, <laughs> Whatever you say, Jimmy. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun with the character. Awesome. Uh, now, Mark, uh, in, you, you abruptly left WCW 96 after achieving some success. Can you let us know maybe on what was your decision to leave or what happened? Well, you know, they always say, you know, the, the, the dance is really the WWF at the time it was WWF, but, you know, WWE. And, you know, I always wanted to, to end my career there. It was uh, always the, the organization, you know, although the WCW was doing great, but it wasn't, it wasn't like the WWF. And, um, you know, my contract came up and Eric uh, Bischoff and I um, had a little bit of a falling out. I mean, he, he did the best job he could. And looking back on it, you know, I probably said and did things I wish I, could, I wouldn't have said or did, just like anything in life. But, you know, I have no regrets because all, all roads let, led me to where I am today. And um, But uh, Eric, Eric was a great guy. I mean, I really commend him because he really, he really helped me, you know, when he first took over there. Um, he gave me a great salary and um, uh, really, really helped me a lot with uh, with my character. But uh, it was time to move on, and uh, we had a little falling out. And I, I met with Vince, and of course Vince was really excited about having me come to the WWF, and um, you know gave me the the money that I wanted. Um, you know, at the time, um, obviously I was married to Rena back then, um, 
And uh, I asked that she fly everywhere I go because I didn't want my marriage to end this divorce. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, so, so I said to Vince, I said, you know, why don't you have my wife be my valet? And he was like, ah, well, you know, Mark, I, I really don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. You know, he wasn't really interested in that, but he never saw my wife either, you know. Then when he saw her, he thought, wow, that might be a good idea. I got to fly her anywhere he goes anyway. So it was part of my contract. So why not use her for the show? And of course, she became, you know, obviously very, very popular and um, did did an unbelievable. So you know, and then and then I blew out my knee, and during that time, you know, she was still, um, you know, doing her thing on on Monday Night Raw and stuff, and uh, did did really well. And uh, when I came back, I, it was really tough because uh, my, you know, when you go from doing a certain style of wrestling to coming back and doing a different style, it was a little. A little different with the injuries and so on. I, I mean, I had altogether now ten surgeries: uh, knees, elbows, shoulders. You know, just so much wow. um, from from that business. Now, fans, like we said, probably remember you best. I would say is the you know marvelous Mark Marrow, um, and your character was kind of that of a boxer turned wrestler. Um, you used a lot of your you know boxing m- moves. Um, but what they may not know is that you were actually an amateur boxer and you actually won four New York State titles, including New York Golden Gloves, um, which is very impressive. So could you compare to, you know, boxing to wrestling? Which do you think was more difficult in your eyes? Well, you know, it, it, it's like <laughs> ruffle a lot of feathers. But, you know, when a boxer fights a wrestler in a match, the wrestler definitely has the advantage. If you get a boxer down, there's nothing the boxer can do without, unless he lands a punch before the wrestler gets him down. But um, as we see in um, you know UFC fighting or MMA, uh, the wrestlers are the ones that do really well in that in that sport. Um, even though I was a boxer, you know, I mean, it, it, the boxing training was the hardest training I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I mean, the training for boxing was was so intense and so rigorous. Um, but to, to compare, they're just such a Two different sports, you know, and, and boxing has lost so much of its popularity uh, through the MMA uh, fighting now, which which I I enjoy watching. Yeah, uh, now Mark, um, you know, you lost a lot of your friends uh, to their you know their lifestyle choices, the negative behaviors in the wrestling industry, probably mostly due to substance abuse. Uh, was this something that was always going on behind the scenes, and do you feel that? with certain policies put in place today that it's under more control? You know, when I was in the industry, obviously it was, it was a little crazy. When I first got in, you know, you're in, in a way you're, you're, you're sitting in, you're, you're traveling with guys that maybe sometimes you shouldn't be traveled with and you got involved in stuff and did stupid things and got involved with drugs and alcohol and all that garbage. And uh, the drug testing was not very strong. I mean, obviously back then. And uh, then we started seeing guys dying. Um, you know, and, and, but here's the thing, there's, there's also a, a wrestler responsibility, there's a company responsibility to make sure that, you know, you're having, not having guys that are doing drugs that can endanger other people too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the drug testing was very lax, and, um, and that's really what I, what I, what I, when I stood up for, for that was, it's really sad when you see guys that, you know, for example, Brian Pillman, you know, yeah. he, he had the night before a pay-per-view. Yeah. Know? And uh, Eddie Guerrero was one of the nicest guys I've ever met in the business. Bar none, Eddie Guerrero was probably one of the nicest. Just, a, just such a happy guy, you know. I, I love being around Eddie. 
and, and even Chris. You know, Chris was a great guy. Chris helped me a lot. Man, I wrestled Chris Benoit so many times, and he always would pick a time to help me learn something new or or share with me what I may have done wrong in the match, but always in a very con- constructive way. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I miss a lot of those guys that just were, were, were great people in our industry. I mean, the list of them is so many that have died so young. Yeah. But uh, I commend the WWE now for what they're they're doing. Um, I mean, you're not seeing the, the, the deaths. You're seeing um, champions that... Um, um, look much different than some of the guys that wrestled when I was back in the industry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, guys that are not all, you know, mega doses of steroids and growth hormone and, and, and everything else. But So I commend them. I, mean, I know drug testing is, is, is much... And you're seeing guys are getting smarter, too. You know, you've seen all the people that have died. So I think there's some lessons that were learned. And maybe because me and some other people may have stood up and, and took a stand those changes were implemented and we're seeing lives that have been saved. Now, Mark, in 2007, you founded Champions of Choices. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. <clears throat> Champions of Choices is, uh, man, it's, it's, if there's, if there's any such thing as finding your passion in life, that is it for me. Um, if you know, I go to schools all over the country, schools, uh, churches, corporations, and it's still about over 800 presentations around the country, uh, even over in um, Russia. We went over Russia and spoke at schools and churches over there. And uh, we did 183 presentations last year at school. We're on pace to do that or even more this year. Uh, in, in September alone, I think we got like 32 events scheduled right now. So we got a busy month. But it really is about talking to kids about it. So we have a strong anti-bullying message, a suicide prevention uh, substance abuse and goal, goal setting programs at, at uh, our schools, which every week we receive hundreds of letters of kids that say this changed or saved my life. Uh, we are seeing suicide, which is now the third leading cause of death among young people, has become so prevalent in our schools. It's actually really scary to know that we talk to kids, you know, uh, across the country, and to see all these kids that write to us that are so hopeless and feel suicidal. It's a it's a really scary place that we're in right now. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Mark, uh, uh, you know, recently WWE Two is, you know, they found their own anti-bullying campaign. Be a star. Are you glad to see, you know, WWE stepping up and you know to help fight bullying? And also, do you think other companies out there should be taking the initiative as well? Oh, absolutely, man. I, I commend uh, Triple H, Stephanie Vince, for what they're doing with the. Uh, I believe it's called the Star Program, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're doing some great things with WWE anti-bullying programs at schools. And the kids love wrestlers. So who, who's a better person to talk to these kids and seeing them, one of their superstars they see on television who say, hey, man, don't do that or don't, don't hurt another kid, don't call names, you know. Um, so I commend them. But, yes, other companies, I wish more companies would get involved. These are our next generation. These are our kids that are dying so young today. Yeah, and uh, Mark, I mean, we, we appreciate, uh, you know, giving your time to us today, too, and uh, we, we commend you for all the work that you do and, you know, taking the time out to speak to these schools about, you know, uh, the bullying and whatnot, and to get more information, too, I believe you said the site uh, is thinkpaws.org, or is there any other yes. places, too, we can find, uh, you know, to check out? Absolutely. Well, thinkpaws is P-O-Z, as in zebra, thinkpaws.org, O-R-G, you can go to our website and contact us through that, or... Um, we're right here in uh, Orlando, Florida. Our number is 407-862-4800. Uh, 
and um, we'd love to come out to your uh, your town, your school. We're at, we're, we start our tour in North Carolina. We go to New York. Then we go to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And um, then we come back to Florida. So we got a big tour coming up. Uh, but we're, we're, we'll go anywhere. We, we, love, uh, we love what we do. All right, perfect. Uh, Mark, uh, one last thing, though. If, if you had to give any piece of advice to any up-and-coming wrestler uh, in the business, maybe something, you know, stuff that you went through that they, you know, they're probably experiencing now, is there one piece of advice you'd like to give that, you know, you kind of wish you knew before, uh, before getting into it? Wow. You know, if I could ever say anything to anybody, is if this is really what you want to do, you got to sleep, eat, and drink wrestling. You have to give it everything you've got because there are so many people that are working so hard to become a WWE superstar that you have to go that extra mile. I see I get kids all the time coming to schools and, and many of them are, you know, aren't even that big. And you look at me and go, how could this kid ever be a wrestler? And I always think about Rey Mysterio. These kids are bigger than Rey. You know? <laughs> yeah. Who am I to tell someone that they can't have their dream? So I just say dream big, think big, and never, never give up. Now, I'm going to do something fancy here, Credo. What's that? This is in the business. Uh, I don't know what business, but in the business, they call what I'm about to do a segue. So um, we will be making our debut, if you will, at the Wrestling Spectacular. Um, now, in wrestling, they say that you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So today, I think we should talk about debuts of wrestlers maybe you know coming from a different promotion and making their debut in another promotion or even just their debut into pro professional wrestling in general so um if i said to you like hulk hogan okay yeah obviously was a mainstay in the wwf for lots and lots of years um, decided that he wanted to take some time off and film some of his blockbuster movies, such as Thunder in Paradise, <laughs> Mr. Nanny, and Suburban Commando. Um, Thunder in Paradise was a TV show, though. It was, but it was also three movies. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then he decided that after Ted Turner threw a million kajillion dollars at him that he would come back. So... He basically, in a sense, revitalized his entire career by going to WCW because if he had not gone to WCW, we would not have the NWO, which was a huge part of professional wrestling. So is there anybody that you could think of that made a good maybe debut or maybe not so good debut? Uh, I mean, going even back then, I mean, you know, Hogan crossing over to WCW was big. Uh, that's pretty much, you know, it started the whole war um, in a way. I mean, people started just jumping ship, and that was like a big deal back then, you know. I mean, you're so used to seeing your favorites on just, you know, one channel or one company, WWF, back then. Uh, and then all of a sudden, now you see them on another channel, and as a kid watching it, you're like, well, why is he on that channel now? And it kind of would drag the audience over, and that's how you know a lot of other companies got bigger ratings was getting these names that you know McMahon made or pretty much, and you know drew them over. But I mean, some I mean that's probably one of the biggest ones. Even you can talk right about the Outsiders to where that was a big deal in itself too, where you know that's where the whole NWO started. Um, 
that was that was probably one of the biggest crossovers I think that happened in our time. I mean, a lot of other ones happened, but I mean, just seeing them show up on TV as the outsiders, we didn't know what was happening. We thought they were working for Vince. You know, we didn't know what was happening. What's real? What's fake? What's you know? What's going on? And that was probably a big deal. Probably one of the biggest deals. What do you think? I think that it was obviously. I remember watching it and not knowing what to think. Um, I did. I wasn't as uh, well versed as I am today of the the goings on in, in professional wrestling. But one thing I'll never forget is when Scott Hall came first and he came in and said, "You know, you know who you we are, but you have no idea why we're here." Cutting an awesome promo. But then we got Kevin Nash who came in, and uh, it was Kevin and Scott, and they were up on the announcer stand they were talking to eric bischoff and kevin nash says and i'm quoting this so this is where the big boys play huh (laughs) note note the adjective play so when i was younger i was like oh that's a great promo whatever then i find out later that play isn't an adjective it's a verb (laughs) so you know I'm the grammar police here, but if you uh, if you go back and listen to it, it doesn't have as much of an impact whenever you hear him say. And and they've been cutting that out a lot lately. So whenever you watch like the Monday Night Wars on the network or whatever, like they show the part, but he doesn't say note the adjective. So, um, yeah, another one that that was spawned from the that just I'm thinking right off the top of my head, a huge debut for WWF was somebody jumping from WCW in this case. Was Chris Jericho? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was you know things started getting crazy in WCW, and you know the whole takeover thing, and this now with NWO. That guys started losing their spots pretty much, and you know Chris Jericho was awesome. He had a great character, great personality, and for him to jump ship, but I think for him jumping ship and going over to WWE was a big deal because I mean he went from probably like mid card all the way to main event right away, and that was. That was huge. I mean, you know, like, I don't think anybody else has jumped ship and, I don't know, maybe jumped a notch in their belt at the same time. I I'm, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, that was probably, that was one of the biggest debuts I think they ever had. Yeah, and I mean, he went from wrestling, you know, no names on WCW to being in a segment with The Rock on his first night. And I remember the, att- the attention that they gave that whole thing. I mean, there was vignette after vignette of, you know, somebody coming uh, the Y two the Y two K you know problem the the countdown um, I think it was perfectly timed and obviously the rest is history with Chris Jericho yeah and it, like, I I missed this though I don't know about you guys out there too if you miss it let us know tell us because I mean nowadays you don't see it like I mean rarely do you see it with like WWE and TNA I don't think it's even happened since. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you, you when one guy left the company or his contract ended, you just knew he was going back to the other place or vice versa or whatnot. And you don't see that anymore. And that's I'm kind of bummed about that. Yeah, I mean, there was. It didn't matter who it was back then. Like I remember when Virgil <laughs> went over from WWF to WCW. Now. Virgil isn't necessarily a big name, but he was he had enough star power to make some difference in the Monday Night War. So like he was Virgil one day, he was Vincent the next. You saw like Big Boss Man in WWF and then he was Ray Trailer in WCW. You've got like Teddy Biasi was jumping back and forth. So I mean I guess one of the big things back then was was that. But 
I'm gonna I'm gonna do something that I normally don't do, and I'm gonna talk a little TNA here. <laughs> and I think that one of the best debuts for somebody was when Christian actually left WWE and went to TNA because I'm a huge Christian fan, um, and I definitely think that his uh, body of work doesn't always get the credit it deserves. But he went from WWF where he was at best was doing intercontinental championships tag team championships and uh, for a while that was good but i always saw something more in him and then all of a sudden you see this big debut in tna and before you know it he'd won their heavyweight title so i mean that's kind of along the same lines of what we were talking about with chris jericho coming from you know and now he's back in wwe christian that is and obviously it helped his his stock because he came back and won the world heavyweight championship several times so yeah definitely can you remember any of like ones that were just bad i think uh or i mean like where somebody crossed over and just got like stuck with a bad gimmick and off the top of my head one of the things i can remember is uh well i i don't remember when he was in wcw but i mean ron simmons when he was in WCW, he was the first, you know, black world heavyweight champion. Uh, I don't know what they did with him right after that because I was still a young little mark. But when he came to WWE, he came in as Farouk and he had that blue headgear or whatever he was wearing. And I mean, this is like when they still were trying to play around with characters and different and this and that. But it was like, I don't know. They they really tried to just make anybody into a character. And I thought, I don't know. I remember Sonny managed him and this and that, but. I don't know. I, I thought that was one of the one of a ridiculous thing to where you you go with somebody with so such notoriety that you just make them into a nobody again. And with this, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, did you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's happened with uh, a lot of people. If you look back, I mean, for God's sakes, Steve Austin, who was coming off of a pretty big um, program in ECW at the time, um, they brought him in and they said, "Guess what? You're going to be the ringmaster." Um, you're going to be put with Ted DiBiase. And obviously his debut wasn't that big. It wasn't until they kind of let him become Steve Austin that he... So, I mean, right there, that's definitely one of the biggest ones that I can think of. Yeah, and so it's that whole character thing again. And, like, I feel like they're falling into that that abyss again in some ways. I mean, with, like, Los Matadores, where you had a great tag team of the Colognes, and now you repackaged them to, like, look like half Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in their whatever masks they're wearing, and I don't know, it's getting too charactery. And now, don't get me wrong, I know I love characters, I love gimmicks, but it's like you know what I mean. Like when when these guys didn't need that, and then they made them into it. It's I scratch my head at this because I'm like, the guy was perfect before. Why would you change him now into this ridiculous thing? I don't know. Like, do you see that happening a lot more nowadays? Like, do you think they're they're heading back into this character-driven uh, realm of WWE again? I think they're trying to always have like they they know I guess what's gonna to get certain people's attention. So I mean like you have Hornswoggle, you have El Torito. Like none of us older fans probably care about that, but they think well maybe the younger kids will like that, so they have to do some sort of of those type of gimmicks. But um, I don't know. I think that the fact that you know, like you look back at Kane, who's like one of the longest tenured performers in WWE right now. He may be the longest active, you know, performer going on right now. Uh, he was Isaac Yankum when he debuted. Yep. So no one would have ever, 
ever thought that this guy is going to continue like with after that gimmick. I mean, it was basically like almost a death sentence at the even, time. Even fake Diesel. I mean, he had both of those. Oh things. yeah, and that yeah. And I can I can just see like Vince saying, oh, you know what? You're going to be a dentist, and you're going to be <laughs> you're going to have bad teeth, and get it? Like that's it. You're Isaac Yankum. But uh, you know, like, and he probably talked it up, and it was like, oh, this is going to be great. And then, you know, after six months, it was it was terrible. So, yeah, I wonder what's going to have to change for like a lot of these gimmicks. Because I mean, like, that. But that's the thing with these guys crossing over. They take their regular name, and then they get a character. They take a character, then they give them a regular name. Even as we just talked with Mark Merrow, I mean, look where he came from. He he lucked out in the WWE because he was looking like what Richard Little, <laughs> Rich Little, uh, um, Little Richard. <laughs> You know what I mean? Same thing. That's a totally different guy, right? I don't know who Rich Little is. I'm trying to think of it in my head, and that's all I could think of. I knew it was a Little and a Richard in there somewhere. I just didn't know what order. But anyway, Johnny B. Bad, but they made him look like Little Richard. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, now he comes into WWE kind of in the verge like when Farouk was, all these kind of weird characters, but he was the wild man, Mark Merrow. And it was kind of ridiculous if you think about it now, but at the same time, it was really good back then, and it was a lot better than what he when he had in uh, WCW. So it, it's, it's, it's hit or miss, I guess, sometimes with these crossovers. Yeah, they gave him, you know, after the wild man character, he kind of got to morph into more his real character, which was... Um, you know, marvelous Mark Barrow, the the boxer um, who's a legitimate you know boxer. So, I, I almost think that there's like a trial period. You get into WWE, if you know if you've been somewhere else, they're gonna say, you know what, we're gonna give you like the worst thing ever. Hopefully, you come out of this okay. And then if you do, you know you can just be yourself. Because like you know even with that, Mark Barrow went from marvelous Mark or you know the wild man to marvelous Mark Barrow. Austin went from ringmaster to actual, you know, mm-hmm. Austin. Jericho came in and was kind of goofy in the sense that he was, you know, kind of – it just almost made his character seem like less than whenever he got there because he was kind of like a whiner or whatever. But then after a while, they let him defeat The Rock and Austin in the same night to become the first undisputed champion. So – you know, I think that that's one of the benefits now is like with NXT and those places, they can try things before they put them up to the main roster. Obviously, if you watched NXT, you knew of a guy named Leo Kruger, who was uh, a South African hunter of sorts, which was a strange gimmick for me. And then the next thing I know on Raw, I get Adam Rose debuting. So, you know, who knows what's in the future for these guys, but. It's definitely a feeling out process, I think. Yeah, and like uh, we talked about some bad ones too, but do you remember in history or any time that there was like a really good uh, jumping of the ship that like stood out? I mean, one of them to me is uh, when Ric Flair came over from WCW and, you know, he won the Royal Rumble, won the championship. Uh, that was That was a big deal, I mean, for somebody to come over here and then be put in that situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that... You know, with with those sorts of things um, like crossovers. Hold on one second. Yep. I thought I was gonna sneeze. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm not. Um, yeah, with like with Ric Flair coming over, it was great. You know, you could see the emotion. I think that he felt like he was kind of 
at his end in WCW, like they weren't treating him the way they need to be treated. So you know what? Like he came over and totally got his whole career revitalized. Another person that I would definitely not discount was when uh, Paul White or the Giant came over from WCW to WWF. Um, in WCW, you know, he was champion several times and stuff, but the whole NWO thing started to kill people off. They bring him to uh, WWF, and he was under the ring at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. It was Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon in the pay-per-view, and he literally came out from underneath the ring and threw Austin through the cage, and then the cage broke, and Austin ended up winning the match. But like he, from there, you know, he was a huge deal in, in WWF at the time. So, um, yeah, I, I would assume that every one of those guys in the locker room has a story where they were, you know, a nobody to begin with. They got put, you know, kind of got some notoriety and then they got strapped with just like a terrible, terrible <laughs> gimmick. But then maybe they could fight out of it. So, uh, yeah. I, I, no, yeah, I mean, I hear you, and like, I think the only thing we get closest to today nowadays of uh, of seeing somebody on TV like, oh wow, he finally made it over or something, has to be with NXT uh, where those guys get moved up onto the main show, and I mean, that's probably the closest thing we get to somebody you know jumping ship in a way, you know what I mean? So they bring him into the developmental system, and then we like, for example, now Kevin Steen or Prince David or all these other guys. You know, we're they're in NXT right now. Well, they're going to be in NXT right now. But you know, the day we see them on Raw, that'll be like, oh wow, you know, like that's the I think the closest thing in this day and age as to a you know a jump the ship kind of thing. If if you want to word it like that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like if you look at the Shield, they all came from that farm system. They were in FCW and then NXT took over, and so like all three of them, Seth Rollins. Prior to that was in, you know, Ring of Honor as Tyler Black. His gimmick didn't change a whole lot, but, like, the Shield just kind of came in and took over, and those are three guys that, um, you know, had they came in by themselves, they may not have had such good luck. Uh, you know, they may have strapped Roman Reigns with some, like, Samoan character, and it may not have gotten over, that maybe they made um, Dean Ambrose, the former John Moxley, maybe he has, like, a you know, like a, a weightlifter gimmick or whatever. I mean, it's kind of the luck of the draw, but it seems like they've got a better handle on it these days where, you know, they're not going to bring somebody up until they think that they're absolutely ready and they have something really good for them too. So. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, tell us what you guys think. That's what we want to know. Tweet us. Let us know. Facebook us. Uh, tell us what you guys thought was the biggest jump, jumping of the ship, I guess you could say. Uh, in your mind, or what was your favorite? Or who who'd you like seeing coming over from WCW or WWE or ECW or ROH? Anything, any promotion out there? Was there any time or one moment that you guys really loved that you know maybe we just didn't mention? I mean, there's tons of stuff to talk about, but I think we kind of brushed the surface, as you will, of uh, people jumping ship. Yeah, um, there was Leonardo DiCaprio. Didn't he do that? <laughs> That was a long movie that uh, I probably don't want to get into again. 
Well, Jonathan, I think we pretty much talked about what we could about that. But don't forget, guys, next week we are doing a live show from Middletown, New York. It's going to be on Sunday, September 21st. Head on over to WrestlingSpectacular.com. You are going to see none other than Team 3D, Bully Ray, and Devon, formerly known as the Dudley Boys. The beautiful people will be in the house in ring gear, probably one of the only places you'll be able to see these girls in their ring attire. Uh, be sure and check it out. There's countless others. The whole effing show, Rob Van Dam, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Ethan Carter III, Crime Time, Road Warrior Animal, Val Venus, Big Van Vader, and uh, tons of others, tons of other guests. But more importantly, we have our own guest we're bringing in, and that is the quintessential stud muffin, Joel Gertner. He will be meeting and greeting all you wrestling fans. So be sure to stop over, say hi, uh, check us out, and be sure to go to WrestlingSpectacular.com, pretty much. But, Jonathan, I mean, what are we having next week for everybody? Next week is going to be pretty cool. Um, you're going to get two guests for the price of one. Um, you're going to get to hear Mike Bennett, who I think has got a very, very bright future in the business, and none other than the former Evan Bourne, the current Matt Seidel. Um, it's a great show. We can't wait to talk to those guys and, and see what they have to say. Definitely. And guys, uh, once again, another wrestlingpodcast.com. And as always, it's been <sighs> another wrestling podcast. Another wrestling podcast.